You're now listening to the I Got Fired Last Week podcast, where we discuss the challenges and opportunities around being out of work. If you're feeling lost, overwhelmed, uninformed, or simply uninspired, there's something here for you. I'm your host, Sam Eremarin, and along with my guests, we're here to walk on this journey together. Stay tuned. Okay. Hey everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're joining us from. My name is Samuel Remran. I'm your host from I Got Fired Last Week podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast which basically takes you through the journey of if you've been fired, if you've been made redundant, if you've been dishonorably discharged, we are here for you. We started by discussing the emotional elements of it, but now we use the practical elements and we put things in place to make sure that you can live redundancy ready. Now, I'm really, really excited. Um, and I don't get excited much, but I am excited today. As I'm sure, if you've been listening to any of my previous podcasts, you'll know that it's just been me. Just my voice, loads and loads and loads of me. You know, I've had a lot to say and I've wanted to share it. I knew that if I was to ever get a guest on, and I, I've wanted guests, but if I was to get a guest on, um, the guests that I would bring on would be people who I respect, who I honor, but also who I want to share with the family and the community that we're building up. I've been thinking of a name, maybe Fired Fam. I don't know. You know we don't want to, <laughs> I don't know. It might stick, it might not. But the woman who's sitting on a sofa with me um, is someone who I respect deeply. Um, I'm, I've been very public with my honor for her, my respect for her. I've been on her podcast so many times. I think I mentioned it. I want to say two or three podcasts ago, the ATM pod. Um, I won't say the name, but you, if you listened back then when you know exactly who I'm speaking about, um, this is a woman who is like, what she carries is different. Um, and I'm honored, I'm humbled that she would come and join me and that we would be able to have this conversation. Ultimately, she's an expert in her field. She's career focused. Um, she loves God. Um, she's, I mean, she's just, she oozes vibrancy. She's a confident woman. She's, she's so much. And the reason why I want to bring her on this podcast is because you can hear my story, but my story can only tell you so much. But by speaking to other people and understanding their journey, understanding that where they are, what it ultimately does is it opens up the door to share experiences and to learn from one another. We want to make sure that you get the maximum amount of value from this pod. So that's my big introduction. I'm super, super excited. I am here sitting on a sofa with my friend, my sister, Miss Sarah Alonge. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Listen, that whole intro, I was blushing. I was just like, oh, Sam, stop it. No, but thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate, appreciate it. And I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for being my first guest. Thank you for... Listen, I'm honoured. He was talking about... You know, him being honoured to have me on the podcast, I'm honoured to be here, so I'm excited. You're too good. I'm excited. Sarah, tell us who you are, because I've not hyped you up. And everyone's <laughs> just like, so clearly this girl must carry weight. Because, oh, <laughs> you know, we're pressure. on that I Got Fired last week pod. <laughs> Did he bring her on because she got fired? Maybe, maybe not. What is it about her that makes her suitable for this pod? I know you have a bunch of questions. Who is Sarah? 
All right, that's a good question. It's a loaded question. Mm. But I'm Sarah Longe. Um, I'm a podcaster, as you mentioned. I have a podcast called The ATM Podcast. I'm an author. I have a book called Behind the Scenes. And professionally, I, I'm that girl who loves a bit of entrepreneurship, but I also love, I love my career. I love the path that I've chosen for my life. So I am a global HR manager. Um, I've been doing that for just over, well, I've been in my organisation for just under two years. Um, I specialise in diversity, equity and inclusion and I've been doing that for about a decade now. So, um, and in that I've had the pleasure of working very closely with or in HR um, and putting my HR hat on as a HR manager. And yeah, I don't know if I missed anything. I mean, you do a lot. I do a lot. I'm <laughs> no, a worship leader. I'm a, I'm a pastor as well, actually. <laughs> I do a lot. Um, and I'm everyone's friend, I think. <laughs> I think it's actually, um, it's your ability to be so personable and to fit into so many spaces that makes you an ideal candidate for this podcast. I think um, one of the things which I want to open people up to is when we are having these conversations, mm. we're talking to real people. Yeah, it's important. And to be fair, psh, I mean, I was once made redundant. So, you know, I've got That's that. actually news to me. I didn't know that. Did you not know that? No. Your wife knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was made redundant. I was, oh. That is a story. Yeah. But yeah, well, we'll touch on that today. We will. Yeah. Um, I just want to give a brief introduction for those who have no idea who I am, have no idea what we're doing here. Um, so as I mentioned, my name is Sam and quote unquote, I got fired last week, which was in June. Mm-hmm. Um, in June, uh, while my wife had just given birth to our son. So he was beautiful, by the way. Oh my is, God. He is. So five weeks into that, mm. um, I got a call from my sorry i got a, a text from my manager who said hey can we catch up and i was just like yeah of course i'd love to i thought he was going to be like how are things how are you etc um i said let's talk we went into that meeting and i noticed on the invite that hr was invited mm. and i was thinking oh that's strange mm. um the moment we got into the meeting he said sam i'll be honest i need to read from a script because this is actually an official meeting yeah. and um yeah he he then gracefully i must say really really nice guy but he gracefully said you know your surplus to requirements and due to certain things happening in the organization we've decided to terminate your role i was made redundant or as i say nicely i got fired Mm. now i know they're not the same thing but again the reason why i grouped them together is in both of those situations i was unemployed (laughs) all i remember is that that's all i heard all i heard was you no longer work here yeah yeah, (laughs) it wasn't like oh yeah but i guess it was redundancy yeah so That's what happened to me. And that began a path or that began a journey of now trying to speak about it. Now trying to create resources that would help other people on their journey. Mm. I want you to live redundancy ready because I want to make sure that you don't end up in the path that I did. Mm. I was emotionally attached and emotionally tied to that role. And when it got, I guess, taken from me, it affected my identity in the way that I saw myself. Being on this podcast was good because I got the opportunity to bleed publicly But at the same time, I don't want you to revel in he got made redundant. I got made redundant too. Yay. It should actually be more like I'm going to learn from his journey. I'm going to learn from all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And hopefully now I'll be in a much better place, significantly better place to make better decisions. Mm. Now, after my introduction, (laughs) Sarah, you said something and it's an ambiguous word, but I'm going to ask you, what is HR? 
<laughs> All right. So to most people, <laughs> HR, they're the people in that back office that is really out to get everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but HR is actually, I mean, it stands for human resources. And um, I mean, against what people believe, HR was designed for the people, mm-hmm. um, but also for the organization. So it has a dual hat, you know, you stand in a gap where you need to make sure that where it matters, you are the per- you are the bridge between the company and the people. So down to like the policies, down to things like you know um, redundancies. Um, but then also, if someone has an issue at work, they should be able to come to HR. I think what's interesting is that HR has so many different parts to it. So like I mentioned, I do DEI, which is diversity, equity and inclusion, which sits within HR in my company. Um, and then you have HR that does, you know, like learning and development. And then you have generalist HR that probably deals with the nitty gritty kind of stuff. Um, and I think, you know, HR means different things to different people, but mostly different things to different organisations based on their culture. Because uh, not everybody loves HR. <laughs> It's, I guess it's kind of, you know, I was about to say foot and mouth. It's not foot and mouth at all. It's tongue and cheek. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, I know it's so, so terrible. The reason why I said it's kind of tongue and cheek is because there's a part of me that wonders, and this isn't to invalidate your role. Mm. Why do we need HR? Mm. What do you, where, do you think it's that we, where do you think is the breakdown between an individual and a company that mm. there is an individual who kind of mediates in between. You have to understand something. When companies start, they didn't start to make people happy. They didn't mm. start to be, you know, this organization that thinks, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hire people. No, they they started to make money to be profitable. Um and in that they have to hire people or hire resources to make sure that the company works effectively. But when issues happen, um, you know, the company's first instinct for being honest, depending on the company uh is okay how do we eliminate this issue hr make sure that in you eliminating this issue you are not treating people unfairly and in turn going to get yourself in a lot of trouble um without hr most companies will find themselves in multiple legal battles um <laughs> and that's just the honest truth and you know the moment you realize that like any company is a is a it's a money making thing, right? They 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 start to build a profit. They start, you know, unless it's an NGO and even that, right? Even if it's a charity, they still need to make money. And that's just the honest truth. So HR, I guess, is is that bridge that makes sure that you are making money and you're not also not losing money at the same time because you need someone or you need a body to look after your people. What's really interesting of what you're saying is that my entrepreneurial hat Mm. at the moment is buzzing Mm. and the reason why i say that is because you make such a good point the company or the organization that you work for yeah are trying to make money and that's the fact they're not trying to employ people that's that's the fact they employ people on Mm. their journey to make money absolutely so it's almost like where we join these organizations like i love this company i'd love Mm. to work there they really see you as to what extent can you help us make money absolutely and therefore in a situation where you can no longer make us money Mm. or if you're affecting our ability to make Mm. money, we're no longer friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like now we suddenly move into... (laughs) No, honestly, one of the things I love about my role personally is because I'm kind of there to remind the company that if your people are not happy, you're going to feel it. Mm. Like the profitability of your company is going to go downhill. Um, If you are not getting with the times, like, you know, most organizations now have four generations in it. And that means that 
from the oldest to the youngest, there's definitely going to be some form of an issue. The person who is managing your manager doesn't understand you, mm. right? So, you know, in my role, even a part of that is to help that intergenerational merge because even your clients are changing. The face of society is changing. So, yeah, 100%, it's very much like, okay, you want to keep in business? Cool. Your people have to be happy. And so what you've found is that some organisations now, they care for the people and people like, this isn't genuine because you're only caring for us because you want to make money. But for them, it's like, oh, no, 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 I, I really care because I don't want to lose that money. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. so it's like, it's tomato, tomato kind of thing for, for some. Not my company, though, it's just in case my manager's watching. <laughs> my, my actual desire is in, and I know it's going to sound strange, but mm. my actual desire is in the words that you're saying, people find healing in this. Mm. Because I think that once you get into the head of an organization, mm. what it now allows you to do is to go in with the right mentality. Absolutely. And make it work for you. Mm. So I always say this to people, and I know we're going to touch on this when we start speaking, but... I'm the kind of person that I literally believe that what you give to an organization matters. Like, you know, obviously I'm Nigerian, so like people will be like, is it your dad's company? Like, what are you doing? Like, and as much as, I mean, I probably said that last week because, yeah, you know, as much as that's true, you have to care enough to say to myself, okay, do you know what? I want these people to need me, right? Mm. So because I want them to need me, I'm going to make sure... I do what I'm supposed to do and maybe and then some but in the back of your mind you always have to have it in your mind that you can't outperform right you can't outperform something that is no longer is needed yeah so you can be the best I don't know think of a role you could be the best analyst analyst right or you can be the best marketer sure yeah that the company has ever seen but they're finding now that there's more efficient ways to market what they're doing um, and so with that being said, they're now like, okay, we need to now start making cuts. So one thing I would say to people is that, okay, how is your role still useful for the company? And if you do not know that, why do you not know that? Do you understand? Like you need to get to a point where you know how useful your role is in that company. Because the moment you see that your role is no longer something that they need or they're making certain comments, you know, that's the moment where you need to be putting the fillers out recruitment wise because no matter how much they love you and no matter how much you can give to that company if they don't need you they don't need you and that's just a straight fact but always come into a job you know with the mindset that I'm going to do the best I can so that I'm an asset because yes they pay me but I want them to see me and be like oh if they if, if they ever do want to get rid of people I'm the last person that they're going to get rid of that's all a good story if it's a role that's not at risk but if there's any point where you feel like that role may be at risk Okay, Sarah, here's my, here's, here's where I'm struggling. And I'm mm. not, I'm not struggling because I don't know the answer. Mm. I'm struggling because I know it, but hearing it from you mm. kind of affirms how I feel about it. Yeah. So how are we, how do we walk that line, mm. right? Mm. Because there is a line of work hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like overperform. Yeah. Like be the best in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give like, and that requires sacrifice. That yeah, requires yeah, you giving parts of yourself 100%. for a thing. Mm. How do I manage the line between mm. I'm going to do my best and give me, mm. you know, versus, but if you're surplus to requirements and we no mm. longer need you, mm -hmm, give mm -hmm. as much as you want, mm -hmm. your job is still at risk. Like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. do, 
Where, where is that line? And there's a straight fact. And I, I, it's a hard one to answer because... I don't think the line actually exists. That line moves at different points. And mm-hmm. I and the reason why I say that is because I remember when I got made redundant, yeah? And I remember just thinking, nah, I'm never going to give this much to a company again. Can you tell us that story, please? Okay, so I was actually working at another company and I left that company because... Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> sure. And I left without a job. That's how... You know the ones where you leave without a job? But I managed to get the job quite quickly and I studied political communications for my master's. So this particular role was going to merge my love for DEI and politics together. I was going to get an opportunity to work on some big campaigns. So I worked on Sadiq Khan's um, London mayoral campaign. I worked on Liz Kendall's campaign when she was trying to run to be the, you know, Labour leader. I, I managed to work on a lot of campaigns. Like it was a big thing. And I could go back and tell everyone that, ah, you know, this is what I did. You know, Nigerians, they just want to know that. The next thing you know, I'm sure my dad told people I was working for Boris Johnson I don't even know. <laughs> like, never worked from a day in my life. But, you know, it was such a good thing for me. Um, so I started I started this job and I loved it. And I remember this job stretched me so much. Like there were days pre-election, like, I wasn't leaving till like 11, 12, like they'll get cabs home, book your food. Like it was a hard job, right? I remember on my birthday, I had plans. I had to cancel it. Because obviously my birthday is in February, elections are in May. But before that, you've got a whole data drive. They change the way we vote. Anyway, I digress. So I started working there now. I was loving it. And then, you know, there was a change in management, um, which was a bit of a of a tricky one. But it's, it's cool. I'm doing what I need to do. Um, election time comes now. And one of our biggest clients, because we were a neutral agency, but we had a particular client that we're working for, and it was the Labour government. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Labour didn't win. But that shouldn't mean anything to me, right? But it should have. At the point, I'm thinking, oh, we're a neutral agency. So really my role, you know, should, I can just work for any any party at this point. Um, but Labour doesn't win. And then with that, you know, happening and everything, um, there were conversations behind the scenes that I had no idea mm. it was even going on mm. um, to say that, oh yeah, like we don't really need Sarah Zoll anymore because United the Union, I'm really name dropping here, uh, was financing my particular role because they they wanted for their own agenda Labour to win. Sure. Um, and so they were like, oh, well, since this this didn't work and there was a big, sorry, there was a big part of what I was doing that was being financed by them. They were like, oh, well, there's no point us keeping keeping Sarah on. So I was in work that day as, as usual. And yeah, like at this point, I hadn't even been there for a year yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember trying to log on to a particular system and it wasn't working. <laughs> and this is what's crazy. Don't tell me this, you'll break my heart. I promise you. And this is this is why I kind of like I'm that person in HR that I really care about people because, yeah. So I was like, oh, it's not working. Didn't think anything of it. Carried on. I had I remember having a call that morning, um, with like a, a client on the call. You know, there's a manager there that I proper loved. I remember seeing him, and he couldn't even look me in the eyes. But again, I'm not thinking anything of it. Mm. So the new manager now calls me to the office. We go to the back. Um, and then when I walk in there, uh, one of the senior managers is already in there. Um, bear in mind, this is an agency and their HR is offsite. So there was no HR in this meeting. You know how you have the ha- luxury of having HR on yeah. the call? And Would the reason like why they do that is a representative. And also to make sure that no one's saying anything they shouldn't be mm. saying. So they were basically like, oh, yeah, I'm going to cut to the chase. It wasn't like a, yeah, it wasn't like a nice conversation. And they're like, oh, you know, you've been doing great work here. But yeah, um, unfortunately, there's no longer um, uh, a need for your particular 
role, what I was doing at that time, um, because we, we don't have the money for it. Um, we've looked at where else we can put you. This is literally how he said that. I'll never forget this man in my life. Um, and we won't be able to match what you're currently getting now. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be ending your role. And that's literally... So I sat there and I was just like, but surely I have rights. And, you know, at, at this point here, everything you do know... Obviously, I studied policy. So, like, I know these things. It completely went out of my head because I'm like what's actually happening to me but I hadn't been working there for long enough to be, to get like you know certain employment rights they were gracious enough to offer me like I think it was like two months no like I don't even know they were gracious enough to offer me a bit of money basically um and after that I remember thinking oh, I'll be cool you know I'll get a job um, and I remember speaking to certain people and they were like, oh, this sounds like an unfair dismissal, you know, going back and forth. But actually, legally, they did everything they were supposed to do. They tried to find me another job. Um, I hadn't been there for up to two years yet. So there was there was nothing. I, there wasn't a leg that I could stand on. And I wasn't able to get another job in my field um, for a good seven months. And that's why I'm also passionate about making sure people make good use of that time because mm. yeah getting another job after you've been made redundant is a, another topic you mentioned something you mm. said like sorry that's just sitting with me just, man it's almost like redundancy trauma yeah, <laughs> just like, no, you know you're just like yo 100%. i remember how i felt coming yeah. out of it and i was just like yeah huh and you, you you take it so personally like you think to yourself like what didn't i do do you understand like what didn't I do like why now and for me it was just it was the whole like I literally left the job <laughs> like a few months beforehand with nothing and came to this job and thought everything was going well like you know how he said that you thought he was checking up on you yeah. so when I went into that meeting I didn't think anything of it because the day before we were all cracking joke you know so it's like it's the shock of it yeah Um, and it is a reminder like as horrible as it sounds is, is that you have to know how to represent yourself. Sure. And that's just a fact because when it comes down to it, your company will represent your company mm. and you will represent you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt in my conversation that between my manager and HR, mm. they were trying to get the legal bit down. Mm. They were trying to save all of the things they needed to say. Yeah. And I was almost like, yeah, but where's the humanity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In what you're actually telling me. Like, I'm, I had a son five weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. How am I going to feed my family? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was, absolutely. and it, it was strange because they're asking me questions like, do you, do you have any questions? And there was a part of me that's like, where do you want me to start? Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. but I didn't want to be emotional in a conversation yeah, that they were yeah. trying to be professional in. Mm. And I think, you know, there's, there's that there's that important bit as well of like, you know, asking someone in that moment, do you have any questions? Is like, do you have any questions? Like, let's be real. Like, I have many questions, more insults than questions. <laughs> and right now, I can't give you any of it. What you are know? you asking me? And I think that's where, that's where a lot of people miss it because you need to let people digest what you have said. And I think the human part is something that, believe it or not, HR professionals are trained to mm -hmm. be able to do. You know, and a big part of my role now, thankfully, I didn't have to do this part 
of HR because it's, it's too much. I'm, I'm an emotional person. I'll be thinking about the person's kids. If they don't have kids, I'm thinking about the person's rent. If they're not paying rent, I'll be thinking about the person's livelihood because it is a big deal and it's a massive life adjustment. But a big part of my role now, especially because of what I do and that my role is really people side, is I speak to HR managers who say to me, okay, this is what we're about to do. What is the best way you think we can go about it? And I think that's where, you know, compassion comes in, where it's like, okay, we don't have a choice here. Maybe you start off with, this is what we have done in order to avoid getting to this point. Yeah. Because I think then, even though it's still a blow, you do feel like it's less personal. Yeah. You do feel like, you know, we tried everything. You know, we tried everything and this is where we are now. But this is what we have because, you know, your company are supposed to find you something or, you know, present anything to you, sorry, within the organisation that you could potentially do. And a lot of people don't know that, that if you do leave a company after you've been made redundant and you find out that there was a like for like job. So you look at the job description, you know, and you find out there's a like to like job and similar pay and they didn't present that to you. You can, even if you've left the company, you can go back and you can change that redundancy to unfair dismissal. That's really interesting. Yeah. And the reason why that's really interesting is because I remember in, it wasn't in my first meeting, it was in one of my meetings. Mm. But what they said, and you know what, I know my manager's probably going to hear this. This is what you said, sir. (laughs) What they said was, there's not a role at your level, Mm. but a lady who joined after you, Mm. who was at your level, Mm. she's going to need someone to work for her. So there's a junior role, mm. which you're which you're free to apply for, mm. but it it was almost like, but there's no internal favor. It's go on the external job site, yeah. and speak to the. I, I was just like, yeah. if I work for the organization, don't mm. I like? Can I just go over to my man's desk and go have a conversation? And this is why internal policies are really important because really it should have been done internally. It should not have been an external. Um, and to be fair, I think actually legally, if I'm not mistaken, they do have to present an opportunity to you. What I do think is the nuances of the legalities is it doesn't say whether that pre- presenting is internal or external. Sure. However, they have to, they do have to present something to you that can be like for like and also give you all, all the information. So do they tell you that, for example, if you took it and you got it you had four weeks to decide whether you liked it or not so things like that they are supposed to present that to you and they're supposed to let you know that okay if you if you do it and you take this role you have four weeks essentially to decide whether you like it or not and if you don't like it if you don't feel like you can do it you can go without being penalized and you can still get your redundancy i mean where were you (laughs) (laughs) this is good yeah you um and that actually kind of feeds into the next thing I was going to say. Mm. You knew in your redundancy, you were like, okay, even though they might not have necessarily came to mind, you knew that there were rights that you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What rights do we have? Mm. Um, that's a good question. And I think, you know, who you vote for matters, so I will say, <laughs> politically. But, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, because um, we're still better than a lot of other countries in the UK, and I know this is a global podcast, so I guess you have to look at it, yes, you have to look at it from where you are sure. in the world and every every country and every location will have their own, you know, policies. And that's quite interesting for me because I have a global hat on. So I know that every com- company. So, yeah, if, if you have a question, DM me afterwards. But um, for the UK, 
um, I'll start off there. So if you work for a company for up to two years, um, then you legally are retired to the minimum of statutory redundancy pay. And what that means is that there's an amount that the government has specified that your company has to pay you. And that amount also depends on your age. So if you're under the age of 22, um, then it is half a week's salary for every year that you have worked. So if I work six years, yeah. it's three weeks pay? It's three weeks pay. Okay. Um, if you're over the age of 22, um, then it's a full week's um, salary for every year that you have worked. Now that is statutory. You know, you know you have statutory maternity, if you have statutory redundancy leave. Um, but your organization may have its own own policies which differ and you can go look at it, but legally that's what you are entitled to. Mm. Um as well as that, you are there is a duty of care that organizations have to give to you so kind of what we mentioned before where they have to present you with an, another opportunity maybe like for like um and that's because really being unemployed is no one's bad it's together it's together <laughs> you know and the four weeks thing that i mentioned is really really important because a lot of people especially if the company does have a good redundancy policy they're kind of like mm, let me just take it <laughs> like you know but if they do have something within your organization that you think you can you can do and you might be all right to you can try it out um and if still you feel like you know i can't do it then you know you you have four weeks to leave now what the government say as well is that if that role requires training your organization is required to give that training if you decide to take that role okay and also they are required to ex they can extend it for i think up to two weeks it used to be more but up to two weeks or to their discretion but one thing that is guaranteed is that if after trying it for a period of time after receiving adequate training you do not like it not so you didn't like it you are not able to do it or it's just a complete contrast from what you are used to or what you have been trained to do then you can leave and whatever they offered you redundancy wise they legally have to give that to you okay Okay. Um. So yeah, there's a bit of nuances there because of like obviously the age part of it, then the um you know, uh, them having to offer you something you know like to like, and also there is a notice period for redundancy as well. That also varies um based on how long you've worked there. And I also I say this all the time like you would think that two years is not a long time, mm. you know, because someone can work in an organization for a year and feel so embedded into that organization, even less than a year. And ultimately if you've worked there for a short period of time short period of time, I think the notice is like a week. Mm. You know? Um whereas it's it's obviously longer um I need to fact check fact check how much it is for, for longer. Um if it's if it's too if it's two years or more, I think the notice period is like a, a, a month. But really and truly, most companies will try to plan something because once you're here again, made redundant, you're not really going to give yourself to work. Sure. You're probably going to like leave straight away. We, that's, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, there is something to say about if a person knows they're being made redundant, mm. you're clearly only going to get 1% of their effort. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, as, as in to the point where the company's even going to be like, this person's probably going to be giving out company secrets. Mm, yeah. You're not going to be engaged. You're mm, not going to really care mm. because you no longer see a long-term future yeah. there. So you're just like, listen, like, I can be here, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you're not going to get the best of me. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people this, that once you hear at risk of, <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, at risk of redundancy, like, I don't want to give a percentage, but 99% of the time, yeah. you know. Um, and the truth is sometimes when you are at risk of being made redundant, the reason why they're saying that, and I'll, and I'll say this honestly, is that sometimes companies are genuinely looking for, okay, once we're restructuring, where can this person fit in? Because they've invested in you. Sure. Like financially, yeah. every time you hire somebody, you have to then, the amount of money it costs to bring somebody in to onboard somebody yeah. to a company is a lot. So even though in the long run, it may look like, well, actually it's better to cut ties now because when I cut ties with you now, I I spend less later on. Mm, it's kind of like, actually, if there's a way we can keep this person in the organisation in a place that is needed, if there's an existing role or something we can do, let's try to do it. And that's just the honest truth because, like I said, they've invested in you and it, it just costs more. To, it costs a lot of money to onboard people. Um, and you can't put a price to somebody's knowledge of a company and them just being the right fit, especially if they're the right fit for the organisation. So, Can I ask you a really loaded kind of not loaded question? Yeah, what's that? Why do people get made redundant? Mm. And the reason why I ask you that is I, I think I've spent... Mm probably four to five of these podcasts basically telling people you're not always the problem mm -mm. there are times when an organ like sometimes you're surplus the requirements sometimes yeah. they want to go in an another direction but i've noticed that like we there's a person that we both know mm. this person was in my classes he was a first class student mm. absolutely killed it we had a conversation um actually in my instagram dms and he said to me, Sam, this happened to me about seven years ago and I haven't been able to recover from mm. it. It really knocked my confidence. Yeah. And um, I think I know why I was made redundant. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there was a, a part of me, I released a video which said that I was a B player. Mm. Um, what I was trying to get at was for many of us, the good is the enemy of great. Mm. I knew that I could just be good. Mm. I didn't have to be great yeah. because I was salaried. Mm. And the salary, funnily enough, worked mm. against me mm. because the salary told me that I can do this amount of work, almost like the minimum that I yeah, can do. And, get it. and I can still get paid at the end of the month. And it I is what it is. I'm going to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, company bonus, mm. everybody gets mm. this much. Mm. And I was just like, cool, I'll, I'll drink from the pot. Mm. Knowing that if I was to be very honest and rank myself up against the rest of my team, I probably was going to be the first person to go out of that. Mm. So when I'm asking you the question of like, why do people get made redundant? Of course, there's the obvious questions. Yeah. What's the stuff that we can't see? Because you're in meetings mm. where, maybe not when they're choosing to make someone redundant, but you're in meetings when they're having conversations about mm. individuals. Mm. I'm sure as a DNI specialist, mm. people may come to you and say, there is a D&I element in this. Oh, absolutely. The person's racist. The person's getting rid of me absolutely. because of this. Like, why do you see that people get made redundant? And I guess it's it's mm. like the real reasons yeah. and also the reasons that people tell themselves. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, even just going back to your point now, because I think it's really important. Even though you were, like you like to call it, a B player, the minimum requirement for a role is that you do everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. 
and so and I and I love to highlight that because you know for someone like me I'm definitely a go above and beyond person and that's because like as much as I do love business and as much as I do love the whole entrepreneurial side there's something weird you know wired in me in comparison to everyone else in my family that I just I love working like I love I love you know the career path maybe not forever <laughs> but but I do love it and there are some people like that but there are some people who, who aren't like that and I think as long as you are doing what you need to do for your role really and truly you're okay and that's just the honest truth um, but I do love this question because it's very hard for you not to take it personally, especially when you are kind of watching on LinkedIn. Okay, who else's profile has changed? Mm. Okay, who else has been made redundant? You know, if you're speaking to people within an organisation, you're finding out that it's just you, there's no way you're not going to take it personally. Until you start hearing other people's names, then it's still kind of personal, but it's like, okay, all right. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. And Sorry, and I know I'm cutting mm. you. They told me. Mm. we're getting rid of 3% of the workforce and something, something. Mm. Sarah, I haven't seen anyone else's status. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been, like, oh. there, there's a little part of me that's just like, you know, like, I've got, I've got a certain number of people from the yeah. organisation. 3% like, of the organisation. And there's 50,000 people in this organisation. That, that's the size of a small island. Where's the 1,500 people? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. I don't seem to see it. I've seen promotions. But do you think also that, maybe maybe some of these people haven't found jobs yet and they're still keeping it there because that's what a lot of people I've do I've done that before yeah we, we've found <laughs> done that, that there are definitely people that we know no longer work our organisation yeah, and we're not going to tell them can you remove that right now because it's it's you know some some of these redundancies they are quite painful to the organisation sure. you know so and you want you want to be in a place where should I need you again should I need your role again we want you to re reapply that's another thing so Ooh, a lot of the times yeah yeah tell me more what you know like if 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 a role comes, right, and we think you are a good fit for that role, because remember HR has different parts in it, including recruitment. And recruitment work closely with other parts of HR because we need to know who is a regretted lever and who is somebody who you actually were like, a non-regretted lever. Um, and so with that, <laughs> you know, with that in mind, you do, most companies keep records of that. So if a role comes in, even if you've been made redundant, right to cut out all those recruitment fees you may get contacted you may get a call to say listen this role has come in um we think you'll be great for it we've worked with you before let's see what we can do that's so interesting and a lot of people don't realize that and it's it's very common by the way because it feels so final we don't you know like so you're, so you're no longer working yeah. here we no longer i was just like okay fine i'm done mm. i'll be honest if they were like but hey, mm. you know, six months down the line, yeah. would you be interested? There's a my mm. pride and my ego might be like, yeah, yeah, yeah but no, because you broke up with me. No, but th this is no, I hundred percent get, and this is why, like, I always say, you know, don't don't skimp on the certain training that yeah. you have with your managers because your managers need to be able to build that kind of re relationship with you where they're saying, this is what we have to do. However, if something does come up like you are someone that we would love to to keep working with mm. and i think even though your ego is bruised in that moment if it's a genuine reason because you ask why do people get made redundant so the the most obvious reason is is that your role is actually redundant like there's no longer a need for that role there's no longer a need maybe for your level of seniority there's the business has has done a review most times they've moved on done an audit and they've realized that actually it's costing us more money to have you in this position um, or we have like, you know, AI or we have 
<laughs> or we have whatever this medium is that can now come in and do what this person is doing um, and do it effectively. Or it could be if this if this particular role no longer exists, we'll be fine. Mm. So sometimes it's not even about the, the cost analysis. Sometimes it's that actually this was a bit overkill. We, di- we didn't need this in the first place. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why people get made redundant. Sure. Um, another reason why people get made redundant. <laughs> Say it with your chest. Uh, there have been some cases, uh, not anywhere I've worked recently anyway, where roles are renamed because somebody's not a right fit for an organisation. Mm. And that's just an, another thing. Um, where companies are quite smart about it. Uh, and I'll just be honest, where they're just like, yeah, you know, an unfair, if if we get rid of you, it'll be an unfair dismissal, which just costs way too much. I keep talking about costs because that's what companies really do, do care about. Sure. And reputation as well, right? Mm. So sometimes it is easier when there's, a, when there's a particular person who is troubling to work with or not a good cultural fit, but you don't have the grounds because they, you know, you don't have the grounds to to dismiss them yeah. in a fair way. Sometimes the organisation uh, may make that person redundant, mm. and in about seven or eight months' time, put out a role with a very similar job description and a different title. I mean, it's yeah, I get it, mm. I hate it, but yeah. I get it. Yeah, is there a world right? Mm. And uh, of course, there is, but. I just want to kind of, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Is there a world when you're just not good enough? You know what I mean? Like, put put very bluntly, mm. like, and when I say you're not good enough, please understand, I'm not saying that you as a person are good for anything. Mm. I'm talking about for this role because I mm. I put down work too. We have a £50,000 problem. Yeah. We will pay you £50,000 to come in and fix it. Yeah. You know what I mean? you are no longer fixing my problem. Mm. So it is financial, but it's also in terms of you're more of a burden yeah. than you are a help to me. It's not mm. that you're not good at anything. Mm. You're not good at the thing that I would like you to do. Yeah. <sighs> is that a thing? It's a thing, but I do think it's rare. Okay. If if I'm being honest with you, I do think it's rare. And you'll actually find that a lot of, a lot of companies, because you've worked with people that you know should not be working mm. here. You've worked with people, let's all be real, especially if you work in a big organisation, you've worked with people, whether it's in your team or another team, and you're thinking, how did you even get this? How? Here? Like, so. how? <laughs> like, I'm just confused. Like, your capabilities are not capability. Sure. Like, what is going on? Because it's actually easier to keep someone in an organisation than to get rid of them. Wow. Like, that's just the honest truth. Like, as long as they can uh, do what they need to do to a certain extent, it's actually easier to get to the point of, of we're saying, okay, this person's role can no longer exist. Mm. Nine times out of ten, a lot of thought and avoidance techniques have been put in place sure. to stop that. So when you say, is there a world where you're not actually good enough? There is, but that is actually only a small percentage of people who actually do get made redundant because I guarantee you there are a lot of people on the desk of a lot of HR you know HR employees who someone has said this person doesn't seem to work what can we do you know and we will always now say this HR we we do that for people we will always recommend everything other than dismissing the person so whether it's them being trained whether it's them being coached whether it's it's us take putting them on a particular course um you know that's always going to be the first instinct um you know for us can right? I say something what? thank you Oh. And the reason why I'm going to say thank you is because there's a part of me, mm. 
and as a part of my listenership who think mm. they're HR are cowboys. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as in <laughs> like, fact. because of course, when I'm in that meeting, mm. I'm thinking, you're not fighting for me, lady. Yeah. Like you are, you're, you're on their side. Mm, mm. And even though we're not taking sides, I feel like you're taking sides. Mm. So actually to hear that like, well, no, like, we'll advocate for you. Yeah, you know, we facts. will be there and we'll actually say, listen, I know that you want to fire this person, but have you tried this? Have you tried yeah. that? Oh, I've just remembered something and it kind of hurts my heart. Mm. What's this thing about the performance review? Mm-hmm. Because, sir, wh- why? Is that a legal thing? Is it like we need to justify in our minds that we tried? Mm. You put me on a performance review, gave me too much work mm. that you knew I would... Mm. like. the the, the trauma's there yeah to be honest with you I think so what we always say to to put someone on a performance review different companies have different names for it is literally like okay there are certain measures that need to legally be put into place before someone's dismissed from a role if a person gets put on that is there a like Mm. is it like there's a good chance to in my in my firm honestly yes and and I think I'm highlighting that because again, like we want those stories where someone has it. <laughs> mm. Someone has just been like, because sometimes as well, and this is where the HR hat comes on because you're supposed to be a, a, a an impartial person. Because sometimes it's not the person, sometimes it is the manager. Facts. You know, sometimes it is the workload. Facts. So you have to have a body of people. And that's why there's so many specialisms within HR. So when somebody's on a performance review, L&D get pulled into it. Because it's like, okay, what are we doing to develop that person? But L&D, I think where a lot of companies miss it is that they're only prepared to do the development for the person who's on the review. The people working with the person on the review, are we actually looking at, you know, what you're doing and how you are, how you are effectively managing this person. It's almost like a prevention cure thing. Yeah. When you're yeah. sick, mm-hmm. now we'll fix it. Exactly. Rather than we can prevent it exactly. by better working. Exactly. exactly. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, if you are, if you do notice a trend where you've been put on this review and, you know, your manager is giving you way more work than what you, you would normally get on your workload. This is why I always tell people, just know your rights because your job description should not be too far from you. And what I mean by that is that if this ever happens to you, touch wood or God forbid or, or whatever, you need to say, okay, you put me on this review, you've set this amount of work for me to do. Is this in my job description? Mm. If it's not, why am I doing it? Can we do that? Yes, you can. Okay. You know, yes, So we you do can. actually have the right to say, you I know you're asking right me because, to do a thing yep. and I know that it would be me going above and beyond to do that thing. Mm. But by my job description, mm-hmm. I don't technically have to do that. Thing. Can I be penalised? No, because your review... Now, can you be penalised? It's down to the reputation, reputational thing, right? Um, because you have to work with these people. If you are on a review, you have to understand that your contract that you sign with your organisation is a legal document. Yeah. And within that contract, it has the remit of your role. Mm. Everything from the hours you're supposed to work, which we all know most people do have a more or less, um, and the specification of your role. Now, there'll be some things that it will it will be quite vague and they do that intentionally because they can leave like, a, I guess, a margin of, you know, the flexibility should anything need to need to um, should change. But there is, I guess, a reasonable amount where after a while you're like, actually, no, that's too much. Mm. So, for example, if all of a sudden, you know, um, you have been asked to not only, like, 
analyze data but now you you've never been told that you have to like present or mm. put together reports or whatever for example and now all of a sudden you have to do that while you're on a review but before your review you didn't have to do that the purpose of your review is because they wanted they obviously they want to check the suitability of you for the role making sure that you, you're doing everything you need to do it's not to test you on what you're not supposed to be doing sure um, and this is where a lot of people don't understand that because they're so busy just trying to prove themselves that they just say yes to everything. But really, if your manager's doing that, um, they don't want you there. Noted. 